Today we're celebrating Christ the King. An interesting concept and one that I was somewhat unaware of because I went to a church in Buffalo, New York by the name of Trinity Church and we had many festivals and feast days but we didn't seem to focus on Christ the King. And it wasn't until I went to seminary and a couple of friends of mine from our class went to St. Mary the Virgin, New York City, on the feast day of Christ the King. It was my first experience with High Church. A little anecdotal story. I asked our assistant rector, I'd heard about High Church and Low Church, and how would he describe Trinity? His comment to me was, how low can you go? <laughs> so here I am, uh, new seminarian, sort of, and all ready to find out about how the high church operates. On the feast day of Christ the King, the priest came out in not only his chasuble, but had a coat, and had a deacon and subdeacon holding the tails of his cloak so that he could march, and they had a thoroughfare, and they incensed and sang wonderful, wonderful music and individual chants at certain points. And I was really impressed. It was really, took me back quite a bit because I had never experienced something like that. I never experienced anything like the opening hymn which happened 30 minutes after the procession. <laughs> and I stood up into a cloud of incense and began to choke and sputter and spit and do all kinds of weird things. And when the church service is over, by the way, uh, there was a fire company at the door waiting, and that's why I guess they call it Smoky Mary's. It was quite an experience because to me, Christ the King was something I didn't have a concept of. And it was such a festival celebration. And I wondered, what does this mean? Because I had not seen, quote, Christ as a king. Now we have in the gospel lesson this morning, where he's asked and grilled about being a king. And he said, you say that I am a king. And he points to a world other than the world that they were in. And I'm sure this must have been very troubling for Pilate because he could only do what he knew about in this world. And here Jesus is talking about something very different from a kingship of this world to a kingship of the eternity. And I think it's important for all of us to understand that when we talk about Christ the King, we're not talking about someone laden with a crown and jewels and a large throne and all of the loyal subjects and all of the controls that come out of kingship. If anything, Jesus was a liberating king, not focusing on himself or his country or world or domain or power, but rather on the power of the person. As we do the Eucharist this day, we're reminded that 
Jesus broke bread with outcasts and sinners. He healed the sick and proclaimed good news to the poor. This is a very different kingship than most of us think of when we think of kings. It's the first will be last and the last will be first. And all of the stories about him interacting with people that were, quote, outside the pale of Judaism, Samaritans in particular, that he accepted them and learned from them and brought back a fullness of their value to one another. So Christ the King means something very different. It's interesting to me, uh, recently, they talked about doing a shelter in Marin. Matter of fact, on right South Felicio Drive, where I live. For 43 or more people, I'm not sure. And I was invited by mail to get on the Zoom meeting. So I did. And it was quite exciting to me because in many ways, since we have worked as a parish often with people in shelters, serving meals, doing special work through chaplaincies, and serving people in the San Rafael area in the Mission District. I thought, what a wonderful opportunity for me to actually have a shelter in place for people who are homeless and that they would have a place to be, they would learn in the process. It's the Episcopal Services that's doing the project itself. And the interesting part to me is it's something that is contained, basically. They have access to housing, but they build a community of support and an idea about how we come, come, can be friends with one another. In my excitement, listening to the project as they were describing it, some people voice their fears. And I say fears because to them, this was an encroachment. This was a questionable thing for people to be doing in their neighborhood. This is not the first time I've experienced this. When I was at the College of Wren, I just was there maybe a year and a half, and they were looking for the people that we served in the shelters, ourselves, and they were going to shelter them in place in the gymnasium because there were showers, and it would be an easy way for them to have them in one place, in space. And we had a public hearing. And all of a sudden I realized that there were a lot of people that came out of fear, frustration, and anger that somehow this institution was going to support a shelter-in-place group. What I found more interesting is as they talked more and more and expressed some very hurtful 
statements about the colleges willing to get involved. Finally, after talking about those people and who they probably were and what the threats they were to this local community with drugs and other things, one of our faculty members there got up and said, I would like to address all of you that have raised these concerns. And he says, they're very valid. But he says, you're missing the point. We have students on campus that do drugs, that are promiscuous, that they have problems with their own sexuality. There's all kinds of issues. They are here every day of the week. You don't protest them. So why a group of 15 to 25 people that will be totally monitored this campus while they're here? When in fact you accept the fact that there's probably 10,000 students in the area that all come from somewhat similar backgrounds. He was cajoled, mocked, scorned by all kinds of people. And I really felt sad because he was stating a fact, a truth. When I went on to City College, we had a population of at least 250 people who were homeless. What shocked me was my students were concerned about those who were left privileged than themselves to attend school. Working with the, with the college itself, they helped to set up the program for people who were homeless, providing food, providing access to housing, and they actually supported a program at the college to deal with foster kids who were primarily the homeless people in a way that gave them support systems so they could thrive and grow and learn and change their lives. My students reminded me of my obligation as a Christian to have compassion to feed the hungry to those who are different than myself. They were so dynamic in terms of their own willingness because they knew that many of them were close to being homeless. They could identify. So when we're talking about Christ the King, we're talking about the king of life, not of beads and crowns and glory and power. Another thing that helped me to understand more about my response to things, I loved reading books, and now with my eyesight drastically changed, I can't read a book because I need it in print where I turn one page the man went to the. It's hard. So I got an audio book. And I'm listening to these books and I'm really inspired. Some friend of mine has always challenged me to 
expand my horizons even though I'm a priest. And I found it interesting that I got a book online, didn't know much about the author, started to listen to it. Now when you're reading a book, you're reading the lines and they come out of the text in terms of your picturing the images. When I'm on audiobook, all of a sudden, these people that are reading the book act out some words, some horrific comments that are actually part of the book. And I suddenly realized how awesomely painful it was for me to hear the words that they were using in the book. Well, I would have read them when I could and probably not gotten the same reaction. But hearing the response in my ears about calling people by names, different names, really being horrible in terms of prejudices and so forth, was, was really heartful and painful for me. I had a hard time finishing this book, even though, obviously, as most books, things seem to work out. But still, the pain and the intolerance of language exchange and the hatreds that came out of these exchanges just really racked me. I think it's time that we honor Jesus Christ, the King. The King not of this world, but the King that offers us a connection as family and as friends and of listening to the Word of God in a way that we are moved to change ourselves and to be an experience of change for others. If Christ's kingship should come alive today in all of us, then we will in fact insist upon taking care of those less unfortunate than ourselves. We will insist upon befriending people in pain and in trouble and sorrow. We will get past our own awkwardness and our own foibles and fears and our sometimes need to separate ourselves from somebody else and close the gap to embrace and care about them in a Christian, kingly way. Today, we need to celebrate not only Christ the King, but Christ the King that calls us forward to be lovers of one another and sharing that love continually and persistently. Even in the pangs of all the pandemic and the suffering that we've gone through, and those people who are caught up in the anger that they couldn't really deal with in terms of the pandemic itself. To be a listener, a comforter, to be a healer at this time is critical. We have an obligation in our Christian faith to walk with those who are different than us. Walk with those who need our care. Walk with those who will teach us to broaden our minds to the true love 
of God. Amen.